Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, friends. Welcome to another season and episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends show. I'm your host, Calaros, and today I'm super excited to be introducing you to Holly Duckworth, who is a trailblazing keynote speaker and applied mindful leadership advisor. She has been a contributor to the New York Times. She uh, She's also the producer and host of the Everyday Mindfulness show and has been a columnist to countless industry publications. She uh, began a career in the world of nonprofits and volunteer leadership, teaching thousands of association staff and volunteers to reboot for success. And today she takes the best of her strategic vision expertise and blends it with mindful leadership practices and her event background to curate experiential events that change hearts minds, and companies. She's also an author with a best-selling book to her credit called The Mindful Leadership, The Stress-Free Guide to Leadership. Friends, uh, this is a fascinating conversation where Holly and I talk about the seven practices of mindfulness and the benefits of mindfulness like making progress and reducing your stress levels and improving your attention and how all of that has an impact on your leadership. So this is a fascinating episode. I hope uh, you enjoyed as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Holly Duckwood. So good afternoon, Holly. Uh, welcome to uh, season nine of Wisdom of Friends Show. I'm really excited and delighted that you took the time to be on this program. And what is uh, particularly uh, excited excited me about this uh, conversation today is your expertise and mindfulness and leadership. And it's such an important message that I think in today's day and age that we all need to hear. And so I'm so excited that uh, you took the time to be on the show and welcome to the show. Cal, thank you for having me. You know, it, you and I both done hundreds of podcasts and, you know, we can, we can talk about mindfulness all day long, but you told me to be, to be authentic and, and I have nothing, nothing else. So why don't we, instead of just like talking about mindfulness, would you be open to like, let's just take a mindful moment. I have my singing bowl here. We could do a little, a little mindful breath to kind of center us before we do the show. Would you be up I for that? I would love that. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go for it. So, so listeners, you know, I know we're all in the, the busyness of this thing called 2020, evolving and changing and growing. Here at the Wisdom of Friends, we like to just, you know, center. And so I'm going to ring my singing bowl and just give you the opportunity wherever you are. If you're driving, just get yourself fully in your, in your, your front seat there. If you're at your desk or just, just take a minute and just mindfully breathe. Oh, Cal, thank you for that. I think so many of us right now, we're, 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 we're mindful. And I always say that with my, my, my hands moving very rapidly above my head, uh, you know, that now's an opportunity for us to just get in that mindful space. And the breath is a great gateway to do that. No, I like that. That's so awesome. Uh, you know, I, you know, I just, just with this little exercise, I just became present to gratitude and, you know, when you're grateful, they say, like, grace flows through you, and this is so great. So uh, so we start off our show, Holly, as you know, like, by asking a guest a simple yet profound question, and that is, what's your favorite quotation or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it to your life? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think this is such a great question. Um, and sometimes a question that can be misunderstood because, you know, you think you have one, one philosophy. And I would say that I kind of have a philosophy that's ebbed and flowed over the, the chapters of my life. And I know many of us now that in this 
pandemic experience. The philosophy we had in early March may be different now that we're listening to this a little bit later in the year. I would say, you know, kind of um, right now, I'm going to go with my philosophy is do less better. Which, which may have been different than in my 30s when I was, you know, in bigger, better, faster, and more. Um, but I think that that's the gift that the wisdom of friends gives us is this opportunity to, to live, live in a variety of experiences. And sometimes that's based on age or based on different chapters of the career. But, um, you know, it used to be said, you know, you're going to get up and, you know, our parents, you know, they had the same job for 30 years. And now I think, you know, my philosophy is really uh, – uh, comes out of the Pacific Northwest. Just, just do it. Um, let's let's leap, and the net will appear. That's those are some some sort of fun philosophies that I use to guide my writing, my coaching, and, and my speaking. Is you know, let's do less, better, and and just do it. You know, we'll throw some noodles on. The <laughs> no, I, I really like that. I mean, it's it's uh, it speaks to me about just the uh, enjoyment of the task itself and getting into the flow of the situation and just uh, going, going on with whatever comes to, comes across into your uh, pathway and just doing it. Uh, so one of the questions that I'm curious about, Holly, and you were in the Pacific Northwest too, before you moved to Colorado and you were the chapter president of the NSA chapter back in uh, Portland, Oregon. So uh, I'm curious, like where did you grow up and uh, you know, what was your childhood like and who, influenced you growing up and I'm just curious about that what what who are the major influences for you as you shaped your philosophy of life and as you uh, got into leadership positions and what was oh that my like gosh, for Cal, you? that was a, that was a lot to unpack there <laughs> I hope I can get get to them all um you know that's the 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 beauty of of life today mm. um I you know I was born and raised just south of Portland Oregon I'm first generation high school graduate first generation college graduate uh, you know, they say where you start isn't necessarily where you end up. I believe it or not, Cal, this often surprises a lot of people. I was a meteorology major. Wow, I didn't know that about you. Wow. I know, okay. weather forecasting. Not a lot of people people know that about me. In, in my high school career, I, I worked actually at the KGW affiliate there in Portland, Oregon. My, my good friend, Joe Satilli, who's, who's long since retired from weather, but uh, learned so much uh, being out in that experience. Um, I, I'm starting to get a little more comfortable saying, you know, I grew up in a trailer park with all rights, responsibilities, and privileges thereof. <laughs> Um, but I like to share that story because I think a lot of us now in this reboot phase, and especially as um, you know, corporate executives or as um, you know, thought leaders or speakers, your listeners, you know, so often we think that people have have had this sort of success their, their whole life experience. I think this is a great time for all of us to put our ears on our heart and ask these deeper, what are you passionate about? What are you excited about? How, where did you come from? Because people are often very surprised to hear um, that, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a, with a giant, huge Rolodex of meeting planners and executives and people to serve. I've had the fortunate privilege to be mentored by others and to mentor other people and grow my network year over year and evolve. My early career, um, kind of you know, right out of high school, was baseball. Believe it or not, Cal, I worked for the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes baseball team, which is a short season single A affiliate of the Giants. It's a little <laughs> baseball field there, uh, just south of Portland, Oregon. Um, left left banking. I had a long career in banking. Left banking to go to baseball. Uh, loved baseball till I didn't love it anymore. Went on to actually become a meeting professional. Worked for. Um, um, Travel Portland, which is the convention promotion bureau for all of Portland, and then um, Meeting Professionals International recruited me to come work for them. So I managed their 14 chapters. Of the question that we often get from our audience is, how do they find their passion? And I totally agree with you as these other times that we can ask the deeper questions and listen to our heart and find out what is it that we are really meant to do. So what would be your advice for people who are listening or in, or in that position and are looking to find out what is their life meant to be and what's their calling? What's, what's your advice for that? Well, Cal, this sort of mashes up with the, the question you asked me before, which is kind of, you know, who are our major influences in life? And I think sometimes our passions 
are intertwined deeply with those people who inspire us or educate us or, or connect us to something new. And in every chapter of my life, the meeting planning chapter, I had Jackie Harper, some of you may know um, from Travel Portland, who inspired me. And she had a passion for meeting planning and, and the city of Portland. And that sparked my passion. And that's how I went on to get my CMP. That I think finding your passion is really about listening to your heart. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we unpack mindfulness. But it's having that courage to say, at the core of my heart, I love X. I love cars. I love coffee. I love meetings. Cal, in your case, I know you love this, this podcast. You love people. That um, finding your passion is often being willing to dive into those questions. Um, I love the work of Simon Sinek. You know, flip it on your head. Why? Why am I here? How am I to serve? What can I do? Rather than what am I going to do? So often we think about it has to be a job and I've got to work in an office or a job and I'm working in a cubicle. Well, what if you expanded that question? You know, why am I here? Why am I excited? What lights me up? And then utilize that as a force that will pull you forward in your career. I never... If you had asked me 30 years ago, Holly, are you going to be an expert in mindfulness, um, speaking and doing media interviews? I never would have said that. But what I would have said is probably something like, you know what, I love people and I love teaching. And uh, one of the biggest influencers in my life, um, and he's always surprised to hear it, is really my dad. My dad did a job he didn't love for 40 years of his life, but it was, it was, he was a machinist. He made those truck parts on Freightliner trucks. And, you know, he did what he needed to do to, to create a life for my brother and I. And that, that actually, his not so much loving his career turned me into a passion machine for my own career. And I've always, even in the baseball years and the MPI years and all the, the different adventures I've had, even some of those mornings I wake up as an entrepreneur going, oh my gosh, really, I'm on deadline for a book. Um, I just remember that I get to do what I love every single day. I like it. Just, uh, just do it. Uh, so just for the benefit of the audience, uh, Holly Duckworth, she's a CAE, CMP, LSP, and is a trailblazing keynote speaker and applied mindful leadership advisor. She has uh, contributed to the New York Times. She's also the producer and host of the Everyday Mindfulness Show and a columnist to countless industry publications. So... That brings up another question for me, Holly, is uh, as you continued on this journey of uh, now regarded as uh, a leadership expert and a mindfulness expert, was there a moment in your career that you kind of like, you know, we all have these uh, strategic inflection points in our lives, you know, the breakthrough moments in our lives when life is never the same again moment. Was there a moment for you that way, like when in your career or in your life that this is it, I could totally do this. This is like happening. You recall a moment like that? It could be or could not be. I don't know. Like, I mean, a lot of people have that one or two significant moments in their lives. So what was that like? Oh, gosh, Cal, how long is your program? We could do a whole <laughs> program on on these. And while there's not, you know, I mean, they are, like you said, they're, they are special. Like, I call them heart, your heart took a picture moment. Like your heart, mm. like you said, you, you know, it's um, one, one of the great examples. Um, you can even go back through my Facebook and find this one. I had a, had a coffee cup and it had a Mary Bright little art on it and it said, your life no longer an option. And it had the road, you know, you go right or you go left, you know, you go to the mountains or you go to the beach, whatever it, it is, is for you. And uh, one of those moments for me was definitely the commitment to move from Portland, Oregon to Denver. My entire family's always lived in Oregon. And um, so making that, that yes to, I'm going to pick up my business and my life and, and start again in, in a new city. Um, came with it some certainly some bumps in the road. Um, I'm a much stronger, independent entrepreneur, I think, as a, as a result of that. But uh, I, always, I always think about it. I posted that, that Facebook, that, that coffee mug on Facebook that day because it was a moment like your life no longer an option. You had, I had to kind of close the doors on my Oregon experience to open the doors uh, to my Colorado experience. No, that's great. How's, how's, uh, how's Colorado experience coming along for you right now? I can't believe it, Cal. This Memorial Day was the, the weekend that I moved here seven years ago. Wow. Um, seven years. And it's some days it feels like yesterday and some days it feels like, you know, my, I've been here for 70 years. Um, but it was a really great uh, leaping point, a launching point for me. Um, 
connected myself to, you know, more association executives here than were in Portland, um, certainly more authors, Denver being one of the hubs for the National Speakers Association. And then you also mentioned that I'm a licensed spiritual practitioner. So uh, Centers for Spiritual Living, the organization that I am licensed by, their worldwide headquarters is here in Denver. So it's it opened me up to a whole new Rolodex of people, places, and things and it's certainly taken me, you know, around the world in ways that I probably wouldn't have had if I had stayed in Portland. Now, got it. So uh, another question that comes up for me is, uh, you know, what is your favorite failure or a setback? Or And what I mean by that is that a failure that turned into a major success down the road. You know, it's like in hindsight, 2020, right? It's like when you look back at that point in time, it wasn't that great. But when you look back now, it seems like that was actually, in fact, a blessing in disguise. Was there a moment uh, in your career or in your life that you would like to share? Favorite failure. Ooh. <laughs> um, you know, again, with a life philosophy, just do it. Um, I, I'm, I often joke, if I ever wrote my memoir, it would be called Trip, Fall, and Pick Yourself Up. <laughs> um, because life if we get really authentic and real, I know that's what your show is about. It's so often about that. And I think that's one of the exciting things about what 2020 is revealing for all of us is, you know, we might've lived in this world where everything had to be perfect and roses and wonderful. And maybe this, this time of, I call it possibility. I don't call it a time of pandemic. This time of possibility is allowing us to get a little more real with that. Mm. And and for me, as it relates to to my career, one of those big learning moments uh, was, um, writing my first book, Control Alt Believe, Reboot Your Association for Success. You know, I, just, I had it in my mind. I had to have a big shot publisher. This was, I think it was back in 2014. And um, that book, it was four years in labor, labor and delivery. I don't have children. So I say, and I, I, I have book babies. And um, it cost me a lot of money. It cost me a lot of time. I've learned so much. I was able to help so many people's lives. It was a, a award winner, number one bestseller. It's in the C-suite book club. It's still available on Amazon today. In fact, with all of this this time of, of possibilities called Reboot, Your Association for Success, a lot of people are wanting to bring that, that book back. But it's all, it was one of those uh, favorite failure moments. It wasn't a favorite in the time, <laughs> but uh, continues to teach me lessons as I continue to write new books. Right. So now, do you view a writing as uh, a spiritual practice? Is that something that, uh, that you enjoy doing or... Or is it something that you are drawn to or you seem like, you know, it's when you're inspired to write, you write, or is that something of a daily practice for you? No, I wish it was. Now, there, there's two kinds of writing for me. And anyone who's who's been a, a, a teacher of mine knows I'm a, I'm a journaler. I'm a, I'm a doodler. Even even here on my desk, you know, like I, I, even even as we're on the phone, I'm, I'm taking notes. Like I, I'm a writer processor. Um, I tend to remember things more when I write them. Um, but the sitting down process of a book is more almost like, I don't want to call it a channeling, but Everyday Mindfulness, um, mm. my second most current book, From Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. Um, that book I wrote, designed, edited, and made a number one new release in 75 days because if you, a first book takes you four years, you, you never want to have that again. <laughs> um, that it, for, for me, I don't know if it's a spiritual practice just so much as it sort of becomes sort of this fun. You know, some people go hiking or biking or do things for fun. Me, I, I, I get this idea and I have to follow it and see where it's, it's going to take me. And everyday mindfulness was a fun 77-day adventure. And I'm so grateful. I, here at the time of pandemic, if you go to my show, everydaymindfulnessshow.com, every single day for all of March, all of April, and all of May, I got on live video every day and read from the book and shared and had a great global community um, that was inspired by it. So I don't know if it's a spiritual practice so much as, uh, as, as a little bit of fun for me. Yeah, and, and I was curious because of uh, you being an LSP, and I was wondering if that was a way of you to connect with the universe and the source and, you know, have that channelized. And, and for the benefit of the audience, Holly's current book, uh, Mindful Leadership, The Stress-Free Guide to Leadership is a bestseller and her award-winning book, Control All Belief, Reboot Your Association for Success, has won two national awards. And we'll include that in our show notes so that uh, you can find out more about it. So my next question to you, Holly, is uh, who were your mentors growing up and uh, any 
And how did they, what about them that uh, you were fascinated about, that you wanted to emulate? Anybody that you want to give a shout out to? Of course, you mentioned, uh, you know, your dad was definitely an example, but uh, were there any other uh, mentors that uh, you want to give a shout out to? You know, Cal, on the show, I know you talk a lot about mentors and we talked about Jackie. Lisa um, was an audience member. She saw me speak probably two, two and a half years ago at the school boards association. She came up to me after the talk and she said, I want to be you when I grow up. And in terms of age, she was already a little older, older than me. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? And we, we had a little you know, beverage at, at the reception and I was signing books and she's an advocate for LGBTQ plus families. Uh, and over the course of this two years, you know, very infrequently. I did not know she was doing all this. Um, she wrote a book, a blog, The ABCs of um, LGBTQ Ally, which was based kind of on the same framework of my ABCs of Mindful Leadership. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, she launched her book. It was a number one new release. She sold over 500 copies in like five days um, during this, you know, June is Pride Month. And so I think sometimes we need to think not only just about people who are mentoring us, but how when we get to mentor somebody else, we actually learn as much from them. Um, she started a Facebook group that was kind of this book launch party thing I had never never seen before, but it will adapt for future books. Uh, that, you know, mentorship now is it's not about age or experience or title, but it, it's really about just this authentic, fun connection that we can have from people. And we don't always know where that's going to come from. I've got uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got early in my speaking career was get a, get a brag book. It's like, what is that? And, you know, from time to time, people still send us an email of congratulations or they might send an actual note card. And I would have been told early in my career, save all those things because you're going to have a, you're going to have a rough day one day and you got to go get the brag book out. And I really I love that piece of advice because it's just little notes of remembrance that um, sometimes those mentoring moments just come um, on a Friday afternoon when you when you least expect it, especially in this time of, of possibilities. I write one handwritten thank you note every single day. Um, it inspires me, and I get lots of calls from folks, hey, it was the right note at, at the right time. In fact, that happened to me last Friday. My friend uh, Carolyn, out of the blue, sent, sent this little, little note of encouragement. So, you know, sometimes I think that's another way to look at how we can mentor and support one another in this time of tremendous change. I absolutely agree with you. And that's a practice that I've been doing for the last now three and a half years is keeping a journal of a gratitude journal, if you will. And then one of the practices I do is just, you know, either sending out an email, it could be a one liner or two liner to a my high school teacher or a, a relative that I haven't talked to in a while, just acknowledging them for something that they've contributed to my life, right? Or making a phone call and, and it could be a two minute conversation, but you know, it could be such a short conversation and a minimum am- amount of effort on your end, but it makes such a big difference for them when they receive that message. And uh, I totally agree with you on that. And, uh, and you know, you make others happy, you end up becoming happier yourself. So that's uh, something I totally agree with you. So here's a hypothetical question, Holly. Let's say if you could go back in time and talk to your young self, right? Let's say your teenager self. What advice would you give her? You know, this. The, all you podcasters must have a book that you read from because this question <laughs> keeps coming up a lot. Uh, you know, I, and funny. You know, it's probably the, the same the philosophy that I that I have in life today. Just just go for it. Just go for it. Um, oh, I like know, it. I try to I try to live my life with with no regrets. There's one that will kind of always be sort of in the file bank out there, which was I got accepted to Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, to go to meteorology school, and and for a lot of reasons at that time, I didn't didn't pursue that, and I always kind of wonder if if I would ever should have. You know, we uh, one piece of advice for for my friends is always listen to that still small voice inside you. I've I've got more little moments. Gosh, I wish I would have. Gosh, I should have. Or oh, I could have. Or really cool things that have happened because I listen <laughs> to that still small voice, and that that would probably be a piece of advice. I wish I had, had done even earlier in my life is, you know, listen to that still small voice and go for it. One of my favorite ways to spread the message of a mission here at Wisdom of Friends is through speaking. Over the last two years, I've delivered keynotes and workshops at professional associations, small and large companies on topics 
related to engineering happiness, how to boost productivity, employee engagement, and workforce stability for bottom line results, and the science of happiness and the art of fulfillment. So if you think I'll be a fit for your upcoming event and want to learn more, visit the speaking link at wisdomoffriends.net and get in touch. Again, it's the speaking link at wisdomoffriends.net. We're going to switch gears and we're going to get into more of mindfulness and leadership. And uh, I have some uh, few questions for you, Holly. And one is, let me start by asking you, how do you define leadership? Oh, see, I'm so used to people asking me, what, what, how do I define mindfulness? I wasn't prepared for leadership. You know, I mean, leadership for me is that art of uh, getting things done through people. Mm. That it's, it's never about being necessarily the person in the front, but it's that person who can galvanize the ideas in a room or in a Zoom room now and, help, and create some action from that space. I, I feel very privileged. I was one of the youngest ever um, meeting professionals, international Oregon chapter presidents. I was under 30 and I was leading many folks that were much, much older than me and had meant much more wisdom in the room. But I just, I had such an innate gift for that listening, that asking the right question, and then weaving those ideas together to move our chapter and organization forward. That I think that's really at the heart of leadership is, is, it's not serving just to serve, but it's serving a purpose greater than you and galvanizing people to move towards that. I like that. It's a beautiful answer. It's about impact and influence, but at the same time, too, it's a higher purpose. Uh, couldn't have said it better. And that brings up another question. What's your definition of mindfulness, Holly? Well, mindfulness is super fun. Um, when I uh, started this chapter of my speaking career, um, I actually originally rebranded my whole company in 2016 called Spirituality in Business. And our world in 2016 was not ready for spirituality in business. I think they might be in a different place now, but at that time, they were not. And this word mindfulness was just emerging on the scene. And all my friends are like, oh, Holly, this is you. This is totally you. You are totally this. And so mindfulness has a lot of definitions. But if you, if you kind of call them all down, I like to use the definition by John Kabat-Zinn. He's the founder of the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Institute. And he says, mindfulness is the practice of being present in the moment without judgment. Mm, I love it. Love it. It's uh, being non-judgmental and being present. That's uh, really uh, beautifully said. And, uh, Given the situation that we live in today with the pandemic and all the social unrest and all the economy uh, in uh, turmoil, why do you think mindfulness matters in today's times? Well, I think mindfulness has always mattered. I like to call it new thoughts on ancient wisdom. Um, I think it's having a resurgence right now because of that question you asked me earlier about purpose. Um, when the world forced us to pause or stop or quarantine or whatever it was for wherever you were geographically, it it has invited us and our significant others and our families to to really get off that treadmill. Um, And is this, is this who I'm here to be? Is this why I'm, I'm, I'm here to be? So mindful practices invite us to that deeper sense of self Mm. um, with the sense of kindness. Um, I recently hosted a big movie night and I would invite people to watch it. It's called the mindfulness movement movie and it features Deepak Chopra and Jewel. And in that movie, Deepak says, you know, we're kind of stuck with this word mindful, which is kind of confusing because it's, is it mindful? Like my mind is overwhelmed or mindful, like centered. And he says, I wish we had called it awarefulness Mm. because Right now, I think we are in the state of awarefulness, aware, as you said, of, you know, presence and presidents and elections and pandemics and, and protests. But that also in, invited us in those still small moments to become aware of our own back pain or our own job or the car that we drove or all of those those things. So, so mindfulness is new thought, ancient wisdom that invites us to a deeper sense of self from a place of non-judgment. I like that. And uh, so let's, uh, so let me ask you this, and this is out of curiosity, like 
Why did you get into mindfulness? What was the draw for you personally? Was there like a moment that you said, this is something that speaks to me and I definitely going to pursue this uh, as not only as a profession, but something that for your own personal life, because I can see that this is a topic that being present, being non-judgmental, being connected with uh, your deeper self is so important to you. So how did that, why is that something that got you into this? Was there a particular story? Was there a moment that made you get into this? Um, I got divorced in 2010. And I got back to that still small voice. I had this still small voice within me that knew there was something more out there, more for mm-hmm. me, more that I wanted to express and experience. And I, I loved my husband very much, but we were on two very different paths. And I always like to say I, I divorced him because I loved him and I wanted him to have his highest and best life. And I knew that together I needed to have my highest and best life. And granted, in that moment, and that may not have been the agreement on both sides, but I know that over over time we're, we continue to evolve in that now 11 years later. But um, it was that sense of, I mean, I love the way you phrase the question, curiosity, that if you're if you're if you've heard this word mindfulness or you've seen the the mindfulness magazine on the on the rack at the grocery store that's a really powerful place to start cal you know that that mindful breathing we we started the show today with just that that singing bowl of i am open and i am willing to to see what what is what is wanting to come out through me and as me and you talked about about journaling that's you know that's a great way you don't I, I says on the on the back of, of everyday mindfulness from chaos to calm no yoga mat needed you know <laughs> this mindfulness thing I think gets a little a little confused in you know formal meditation practice and there is mindfulness meditation but my special focus area is really applied mindfulness how can we be better humans to better humans to create a better world for humans Right, absolutely. And and I think uh, there are some scientific benefits to this practice, isn't it? And in the sense that, and not only scientific benefits for your health, but overall effectiveness if you're a leader working in a company. Because, you know, I work in corporate America, and one of the practices that really helps me is to just take, not react when a situation, uh, you know, unfolds, and instead taking the step back and just breathing taking a few deep breaths to evaluate the situation before reacting, being more, uh, being a response rather than a reaction, if you will. And uh, so I think uh, this is definitely something that uh, all leaders can take on as a practice, uh, be it a leader of a small business or be an executive in a Fortune 100 companies. And you worked with some companies uh, as part of your speaking and consulting. So uh, could you say a little bit more about that? What's been your experience having worked with leaders and executives with this uh, practice of mindfulness? Well, Cal, I founded the C-Suite Network Mindful Leadership Council to address just exactly that. I'm also a member of the American Mindfulness Research Association. I think it's so interesting that we live in, I call it a value meal world. (laughs) You know, we we want all the freedoms and all the flexibility, but we still want A is the hamburger, B is the taco, and, you know, and C is the hot dog or whatever it is, that we still want it, want it simplified. And that's part of my work. Somebody said, Holly, you are the ultimate translator of mindfulness for CEOs because my work is really committed to, you know, reading the data and the research and connecting these researchers to the CEOs and executives. So um, I recently had on my show, Ina Kazan, she's a researcher on biofeedback at, at Harvard. We had Bill George, who's a professor in the business department at, at Harvard, come on. And I think that's what's making mindfulness go mainstream. And, you know, we all know now it's pretty common practice. People, you know, go to the gym and they do push-ups to, to work out their body. Well, it is scientifically proven by the folks at the HeartMath Institute that your brain actually works I mean, your heart actually works faster than your brain. Your heart actually responds faster than your brain. And you can go to their, their research there at the HeartMath Institute. So how are we connecting this, this mind and this heart in a way that, as you said, that you can respond in any given situation and not just react? Oh, I like it. So, uh, Holly, I mean, you are a woman of adventure. So my question to you is, tell us about one of your adventures and how mindfulness played a part. There's so many, I can't choose just one. Uh, Well, I'm often quoted for saying what you visualize, you actualize. 
um, you know, there's so many fun ones in 20. So every year I do a vision board and my vision board is, is the integration of personal success that I'm, that I'm wanting to manifest in my life as well as professional success. And in 2019, it was, was quite fun. At the end of 2018, my girlfriends and I were all doing our vision boards and I cut out and put on the vision board, um, a lighthouse didn't really have a connection for me other than be a light, be a light in the world, share light, you know, like sort of that symbology of the lighthouse. And that January, not even four weeks later, I had a, a gig in Canada, um, got off the plane, painting of this giant lighthouse. And I said to the gentleman, the driver who was picking me up, what's, what's our lighthouse? And he named off the, the name lighthouse. And I went back, came home, looked at my vision board and it was the exact same lighthouse that I had. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Uh, so what you visualize, you actualize that that's been, been quite fun. I'm sort of laughing. Everybody kind of recycled their 2020 vision boards about March 15th. And I, I actually, I don't think you should do that. If you still have yours, pull yours back out and look at the things that you put on it that, that are different. Cause Cal, this is going to make you laugh. So, so I actually have on my 2020 vision board on the, on the bottom, it says walking has never been so comfortable. Now I am pretty sure that that did not mean I'm going to be stuck in my house for a pandemic. But of course now we're all like out there walking, walking, walking. Cause we see ourselves behind zoom meetings you know, 12 hour hours a day. So, uh, you know, it's, it's mindfulness is being fully present in the moment and really understanding that, uh, that still small voice in you is, is always guiding you. It's doing it through visioning, meditations, affirmations, gratitude. I have seven practices that I kind of put under this umbrella of applied mindfulness. These are things you can do in two or five minutes to continuously connect yourself for more creativity, more manifestation, more joy. And as you've already pointed out, there's massive health benefits as well. Absolutely. Uh, would you be uh, willing to share some of those uh, seven practices? Uh, give us a quick overview of what those uh, mindfulness practices that people can actually practically apply in their lives and start seeing some uh, results. Well, Cal, I'm going to make sure that you um, get in the show notes um, I'm going to, um, there's a link to something I call the mindful mini poster and it has all seven. So we'll make sure that your folks can download it as my gift to them. Um, our most recent book, I, I, I think I've even scooped you on that is called sell more stress less 52 tips to become a mindful sales professional. So mindfulness, this practice of being present in the moment, I think magnifies our business success. And of course, one way we do that is through sales. And right now with, this this dimmer switch of some of us are turning up the brightness and going back to work and some of us are up and down based on wherever you live, mindful sales practices can infuse the seven. So I'm going to share, share kind of how we wove those together, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. So it starts with intention. You know, mm. we haven't talked about that, but how are you going to put your energy in motion and in everyday mindfulness every single day? Just kind of like your journal. We, we invite you to pick one word. How are you going to put your energy in motion? And as a salesperson, are you going to be doom and gloom? Or are you going to be excited and enthusiastic? So it starts mindfulness, that calm intention setting. What, who, what, who do I want to be in the doing? And then step two, I, uh, I call centering. That's kind of what we did with the singing bowl again. Just feel yourself supported by the chair. Or if you're you know, driving to work, feel yourself in the car, getting your energy back into this now moment. Um, and that can be done even on a podcast. You know, some people may have picked up on the fact we had a little little tech glitch earlier, but we just centered into it. Okay, this is we're going to honor honor the energy of of what it is. It's also Mercury retrograde right now. So one is intention setting, two is centering, three is really getting clear about what it is you believe. Mm. It is done unto us as we believe, but those are often unconscious habits. You know, I believe I'm going to be a successful podcaster. I believe I'm going to be a successful podcaster. Well, are you, if you move the letters in believe, it comes be alive. So what makes you be alive? What do you oh, I like that. Be alive. No, talk about that. Be, be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a mindfulness practice in, in, in all of the books in some way. We talk about belief 1.0 and belief 2.0. That's a lo- what a lot of us are going through right now. I believe I always had to get in a car and do a commute and do a job. Well, maybe now we have to adjust our beliefs on that. Um, you know, I, I think about that, especially in the car world right now, we're talking about mindfulness in sales, you know, just cause we've always 
driven to a car dealership and bought a car off a lot. Well, clearly we're not doing that so much anymore. They're delivering cars to us. And what makes us be alive and what do we believe about ourselves as sales professionals, CEOs, executives, leaders, whatever role you're coming at as you listen to this podcast. Um, number four is creating a vision. We were just talking about a vision board. Um, a vision board or visioning is often something out there. I, I like to teach you the practice of visualization. Um, what step into that vision as if it were true for you right now. Um, you know, a great example is if I hadn't stepped out and said, I'm no longer the trailer park girl and, and hadn't stepped up to say, I'm going to be the high school graduate or the college graduate, all that. Like I had to visualize what's it look like, feel like, sound like to continuously create all, all of the chapters of my life. Um, the next one is affirmation. What we think about, we bring about. And I know life is challenging right now. It's very easy to turn on social media or the noise or the news and get in that downward spiral and um, we utilize affirmations as a mindfulness practice to you know i am whatever follows the i am is the i am that you are so i i have one here above my desk i am empowered i am enduring and i am thriving you know i am you know what what are we going to say to ourselves to keep ourselves um positive and it doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing you know uh, might even be your intention for the day. I am beautiful. I am joyful. I am happy. And I have all of my coaching clients. They, they write their affirmation and they say it 70 times a day. Now, that might be while they're brushing their teeth or they're in their car or, you know, just in, in those still small moments. But um, we need to continue to train our brain just like we train our body. Uh, the next one is this idea of mindfulness and movement. We're all sitting behind these computers now. Uh, let's make sure that we're mindful. I, I actually, I don't have a standing desk, but I would like one. Um, so I use my ironing board. And, and uh, I know some, some of you are, are maybe getting the video of this. Others are getting audio. But, you know, find ways to stand up and move. I have my, my iWatch. Many of us have a Fitbit or that kind of thing. But, but getting aware, again, mindfulness, awarefulness, getting aware of how much do you need to move or not move to keep your body uh, happy? And then of last is that one that you love so much, Cal, gratitude and staying in that place, even on those tough, tough, challenging days for that gratitude. I did a keynote speech this morning. If anybody has an upcoming conference or, or event, I'm, I'm doing both virtual now and, and face-to-face. And we, I was uh, recounting a story of um, one of my uh, my clients who has a, a child in, in prison. And, you know, it seems like an extreme, but sometimes we have to look at those extremes and remember how to be grateful in this moment. And while I may feel like I'm sometimes in the prison of my own home, I'm not. And I get to be grateful for the staircases that I can go up and down between my bedroom and my office or my kitchen or my patio. Like, find something every day, not just to say you're great, grateful for, but to feel it in your hands and in your feet and in your body and just really take time because we are, even in this time where for many of us, the rug's been pulled out from under us. We do have this tremendous place right now to be grateful for all of the blue sky of opportunity, as I like to say, that's coming our way. So the seven, Cal, are intention, centering your energy, getting clear about your beliefs, creating that vision, affirming the good, mindfully moving, and then being in this place of gratitude. So those are seven applied mindfulness practices that can keep us mindfully moving towards what we want in our life, even in this time of possibility, as I call it. That's so great, Holly. I really, really enjoyed that uh, you know, compilation of seven practices. They are so easy, beautiful, and definitely effective. And uh, we'll include all of that in the show notes for our listeners so people can find out more about it. So switching gears here, uh, so we're going to get into, uh, in the interest of time, Holly, I can talk to you for the rest of the evening here, but in the interest of time, I'm going to switch uh, into our next section, which is the rapid fire round, and I'm going to ask you <laughs> a bunch of fun questions, uh, and it's your first response that comes to your mind. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So here's the first question. What is one thing you can do, Holly, that might surprise other people? One thing I can do, oh, a lot of National Speakers Association people might know this, but um, because I'm a licensed spiritual practitioner, I'm a good prayer, uh, non-denominational, honors all the good. I'm, I'm a good prayer, Cal. All right. Awesome. I didn't know that, but that's great. No, that's awesome. 
The next question is, whose brain would you like to pick? You know, it's not even exciting, but, you know, it's definitely Oprah Winfrey, and especially right now when she's seeing so many beliefs fall away that she fought for for so many years and and starting those new beginnings. So Oprah, for sure. The next one is, if you could be successful in another profession, which which would you choose? You said first first thing that comes to mind. I'm going for race car driver. <laughs> you know, NASA, NASCAR's in the news right now. People are often surprised. I love I love fast cars. I had the opportunity. One of my clients took me to Vegas to do the the, the NASCAR track. I got to go 150 miles an hour in the car. So, if I was in a different career, that would probably be it. There we go. All right. Uh, what color describes you best? Well, my signature color is, of course, this royal blue. Anybody who sees my logo or branding knows that that royal blue is is definitely me. Blue sky of opportunity, so blue. Well, the next one is, do you believe in magic, Holly? I don't believe in magic. I depend on it. Nicely said. I like that answer. (laughs) Okay, here's another one. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Oh, man, we could go on for an hour about just this question. You know, I, Cal, I have a kind of a, a, a differently enabled look at, at God through my, through my training as a licensed spiritual practitioner. And now in a world that's kind of whipped up in all of this, I think it, it bears some reflection. And I really experience God. I, I, I help people use the word good. You know, because mm. some people have charge around that word God for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that you know, I, I talk about the good within, you know, that, that God is something in me and it's in you and it's in our friends and it's in food and in water. Like, like what if, how, how could life be different if we looked at that golden thread of, of God, of good that's in, in everything? So that kind of makes that a funny question for me because I, I think the question is probably something around, you know, if God's not out there and God's in everyone, then, then I think the question would be more about, you know, how can we expand the God through all of us and make more people have this awareness of, of God as a, as a tool for conversation and, and for good versus sometimes a tool that people get on one side of the fence or another. And, and it, we know that, that this, this experience has, has caused a lot of human suffering. So that, that's a long answer to a short question, but, you know, I think... No, fair enough. Uh, an invitation. One, yes, yes, totally get that. And then uh, one final question within the rapid fire round, and that is, if you could have witnessed one event in history, what would that be? The first one that's coming up for me is the the the, the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, and then two is... Um, the bicentennial. I was born in 76, so the signing of the Declaration of Independence or something, all Americana. <laughs> Love it. All right. And then I've got just a final three section, uh, three questions for you, Holly. And the first one is, uh, and let's talk about intention. And so what is your current or personal business passion project that you're working on? Or, or what are you looking forward to in the next six months to a year from now? <clears throat> Well, just like so many, I rebooted my my business for success in 2019. I was kind of turning down the dial of professional speaking. I love it, um, but, but I was feeling like, again, there was another chapter emerging, and that's why I founded the C-Suite Network Mindful Leadership Council. So my my intention and my focus is, um, the word for 2020 is alignment, that it's my passion to align those like-minded people who, researchers, scientists, CEOs, if you're listening and, and you have a passion for infusing mindfulness in your business as a non-denominational practice for good business culture that drives business results, um, that's, that's my passion is that, that aligning people around these good human principles to create good human business that makes good in the world. Absolutely. The next one is, uh, what are three things uh, you're grateful for in life? Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for everything. I think um, I'm going to go with, I'm grateful for learning um, and and kind of within that learning, becoming. I own a brand called Happy Becoming Day. I think we need to celebrate not just our birthdays, but our becoming. So many of us have different chapters of our life. You know, I I had the opportunity to become meeting planner and become an award-winning speaker. So um, I'm grateful for that that chapter of becoming. Um, It's interesting. Um, The second one that's coming up for me, Cal, is travel. 
um, we may be differently enabled with travel for the next couple of years. And I'm so grateful I've had the opportunity to speak all over North America and South Africa and Bali and all points in between. So just what you learn in the human connection from travel you know, and then I'm I'm super grateful for my business partner and my boyfriend and the and the house and the life that we're creating here in Denver, the roots that we we've, we've started to plant um, through this new chapter of Leadership Solutions International. That's so great, and uh, so I want to take a couple of moments to acknowledge you, Holly. Uh, you know, what I get from your presence and is just your generosity of creating mindfulness and uh, presence and non-judgment around the globe. And I think uh, you've done it with not only with your words, but your deeds and, you know, the fact that you've started this uh, leadership council and, you know, so that people can take these principles and bring some good in the world. I mean, that is such a, a beautiful, altruistic and noble uh, thing to do. And at the same time, making a difference in the world. So thank you for being who you are and thank you for doing what you do. Well, Cal, thank you for honoring me with it, with this time on your show. It's it really is powerful right now. The wisdom of friends, those questions asked with your ears on your heart. You know, right now there's so many of us that are that are suffering in our in our own changing of nuance and, and culture, and I call it navigating awkward. And shows like this that invite us to be vulnerable and real and share wisdom with friends. The times we've made the mistakes, the times that we've celebrated. Um, I think are going to help us navigate this new reality, no matter no matter where the future takes us. No, that's so great, and appreciate the feedback there. And that's how we normally uh, end our show is by asking a guest, and you already answered the question. And the question is just for the audience: is why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? I didn't even know that was it was a was it was a question. Um, that, that's that's the magic of of alignment, Cal. And I feel so grateful that we could we could align today. And I hope that your listeners will continue to listen to other episodes and and you know send us some names. You've got a show. I've got a show. We've got more people to interview. More mindful work to do uh, in community together. Absolutely, would love to. And uh, again, uh, thank you for uh, so much for your time and wonderful. Uh, conversation. I really appreciated it. And for everybody listening, with that, we'll wrap it up. If you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank Thank you. you. This has been a 7 Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.